0: Good morning, welcome again to Morning Devotions. I'm Pastor Samuel, the pastor of the Cathedral of Praise. And thank you so much for joining us in the beautiful prayer meeting and communion last night. And now you're already thinking about, well, Pastor, what are we gonna do in the Friday night service? Well, I'll tell you a little
1: bit more as we get going today. But first, we've got Psalms 91. Psalms 91, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, At the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds, to, he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation.
0: One of our purposes in the communion service last night was to make sure that you understood your redemption. That when Jesus Christ hung on that tree, he redeemed you from the curse of the law. That's why we don't live in fear of this deadly pestilence. And that's why you don't live in fear of financial disaster and failure. I want to continue to pray for your finances today. Brothers and sisters, I know the economy is getting difficult, and with every week that lockdown continues, the economy becomes more difficult. I read an article yesterday that some of the business CEOs are expecting it will take at least three years for the economy to return to what it was just last February. But I want you to remember that the economy of heaven has never been affected and that God does not meet our needs. Now, I taught the people this until they got sick of hearing it back in the eighties. But God does not meet our needs according to the economy of our nation. God meets our needs according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus. Father, I lift you, your sons and daughters. You see all those that have been faithful. They've honored you, Lord, by returning to you the tithe. They have not stolen what did not belong to them, but they've honored you with the tithe. And Father, you gave them seed to sow, and they were good stewards with that seed, and they sowed it. And they have fed the poor, and they have built your house, and they have reached out and brought evangelism and the gospel, not just here in our own land, Lord, but around the world. We've done crusades in Mombasa from years ago, and we had nothing father there are still harvests coming from that father I bring to you your children today let all of the seeds that they have sown rise as a memorial before your throne bring to your remembrance all the seeds all those young people Lord through the years that gave their five pesos they gave their one peso and now father they're businessmen with big businesses but Lord those seeds are still there before you. Those seeds are still there before you that were sown in, in the generosity, birth, and poverty, just like those people in Macedonia. Father, I ask in Jesus' name, let them see a great harvest for your name's sake, Lord. Not for our name's sake, but for your name's sake. For the honor and the glory of your name. Let the families see that God is sitting on his throne. Lord, you taught us to prove you. Lord, this is the time when we need to see your reality. Let our families, let our relatives, let our friends who have mocked us in our generosity all through the years, let them see the hand of God at work. Let them see the blessings of God flow. Let them see your generosity. Let them see the windows of heaven pouring out blessing until there's no more need to contain. Father, let all of these gifts that they've sown all through the years, Lord, I stand before you and I ask, let them arise with Jesus, our high priest. Let our high priest, Jesus, bring them before your throne as a great memorial. And for your name's sake, Father for the greatness of your name. Meet the needs of your people according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Let the people see your hand at work. Let these businesses, Father, that are about to fail, let them have instant turnarounds, Father. Let them see tremendous miracles. Father, I know that there are some of our people that have sinned. Father, I understand. But Lord, in your mercy, forgive in your mercy wash those things far away remember the seeds that they have sown from generous hearts Lord and let this goodness let this goodness lead them back to a place of repentance show your goodness to them once again Father show your goodness in spite of their rebellion their anger their hostility Show your goodness to them once again. Oh, Father, those seeds that were sown in their youth. Father, let let those things come as a memorial. And let your goodness flow to their life. And touch their hearts. And bring them back again to a place of repentance. Bring them back to a place where their hearts are soft and tender before you and not defiant and angry. Oh, Father, in Jesus' name. Oh, in the name of Jesus. And for your great name's sake, for your great name's sake, bring them back. I thank you for it, Father. Let this be a season of the return of the prodigals, those that sowed in poverty and when they got prosperous, Lord, their hearts grew cold. Their hearts grew arrogant. Oh, Father, they've come back to a place of being humbled. Now it touched their hearts. And let this be a time of a great return of the prodigal. I thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's open up our hearts now and spend some time in worship.
2: One day Cold oh.
0: I will be with you in a few minutes, and I keep hearing your words. You are greatly enjoying Sister Bev, and you see how excited she gets about the book of Isaiah. Now you know why. It's one of her favorite classes that she teaches in the School of Pastoral Studies. You know her big frustration? She said, how do I not teach it? I said, you can't. You you can spend one verse and spend an hour. I said, so you you just got to read through it. She's understanding some of my frustration sometimes now in the morning. All right, Galatians chapter 5, before we get into Sister Bev with Isaiah. Galatians 5, beginning with verse 1. Paul said, you were running well. Now, now here's a, a great truth that you've got to get a hold of. Paul said, you were running well. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Who hindered you? So he, he said, notice. He said, you were living great. He said, you had a great spiritual You had a great, great spiritual life, GSL. You had a great spiritual life. He said, who? Identify, please. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Now notice, there are people who bring hindrances into our life that keep us from obedience. Wow, you need to get a hold of that one. There are people who will hinder you from obedience. That's why you have to be careful who you allow to influence your life. He said, this persuasion is not from him who calls you. He said, all right, they claim. He said, these guys are running around claiming to represent God, but they're not. He said, is not from him who calls you. But now notice the word persuasion. And notice the word hindered. Now, there are people who enter into our life and they hinder us from obedience. And they hinder us by persuasion. Ah, they can be very, very persuasive. <laughs> but now, there's a persuasiveness from God and there's a persuasiveness from the world. Now, you have to identify, is this from him? Or is this from some other source. And now notice the statement: a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Alright, so now we're defining persuasion. It starts little. You get somebody just dropping a word here, dropping a word there, little comment here, little comment there. You see, the great manipulators in life are not the people who stand right up in front of you and challenge you. And you know, sometimes I get frustrated with people. Because they think that that when you stand up and you challenge them with truth, you're manipulating them. No, the great manipulation does not come from people who just stand up and boldly declare truth. The great manipulation comes from the little leaven that comes along. And those are the true manipulators. People who just stand up and bluntly say da-da-da-da. Well, you know what? You can sit there and go, "Uh uh-uh, I'm out of here but when people just put that little bit of yeast in your life every day. Ah, again, we're defining persuasion. We're defining influence. And here is where you have to deal with influence. Now, this is one of these mantras in modern society that that I look at and I go, you know what, I don't like this. They call themselves influencers. Influencers. It's a new position in life. You're an influencer. Uh, I had a friend who all of a sudden began to identify himself as uh, not a pastor, not an evangelist, not a teacher, but I'm a Christian influencer. No, you're not an influencer. You're a pastor. You're a man of God. You're not an influencer. So let's, let's just call ourselves what we are. But he said, now listen, this, 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 this is where the persuasion comes from. This is where the hindrance comes from these little, little tiny pieces of yeast that come into our life. He said, I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view than mine. The one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is, all right? Now, Paul said, I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view than mine. He said, Paul said, I don't believe that you are gonna change what you believe. (laughs) Now, it's amazing. I looked at a person one day and they said, I'm going to do this even though I know it violates everything you've ever taught me all these years. And I just went, why are you going to do it? You you know, yeah, it, it goes against everything I've ever been taught, but I'm going to do it anyway. Well, that means somebody has been working on them. So I should not have confidence in them. But Paul had confidence in the Lord, not in them, but in the Lord, that you will take no other view than mine. Paul said, you're going to follow what I've taught you. And the one who has been troubling you will bear the penalty. Now, forgive me, influencers, they will bear the penalty. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed, salvation by faith. I wish those who would unsettle you would emasculate themselves. <laughs> Paul is upset. <laughs> Whoa. This is strong. Now, the Greek is even stronger, all right? Paul is literally saying, you know these people that are coming around telling you that you need to be circumcised to get saved? He said, I wish they'd go the whole way and castrate themselves, cut off all their male sexual organs. Just whack. When I was a kid in Alabama, we used to call it getting pigged. That's getting pigged. You cut all the stuff off of a pig. You know? He said, I wish they'd go pig themselves. <laughs> See, folks, Paul was not a polite preacher. Paul was a real man of God. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Okay, we were called to freedom. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So here's a big theme in scripture that we're working on in Romans. We were called to freedom, but freedom has a purpose. The purpose is not, and the purpose is to. Purpose is not to be used as an opportunity for the flesh, but it it is to serve one another in love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now remember how when we were going back through the Old Testament, reading through Deuteronomy, we saw that this is not a new doctrine that is taught back there in the law of Moses. But if you bite and devour each other, watch out that you will not be consumed by one another. All right? If you bite and devour one another, watch out. Here's one of these watch outs in the scripture. You you should keep a list of watch outs. This is one of those things to make a list of. Every time you see the concept, watch out or beware, these are things that you need to be careful about. He said, be careful. Because if you bite and devour one another, you'll be consumed by each other. There are Christians that destroy each other. But I say, walk by the Spirit, as Paul said, this is what I say. I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful, the desires of the flesh. He said, okay, you don't want to sin, you don't want to be in the middle of this mess, walk in the Spirit. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these two are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Now, he defines the works of the flesh. He said the works of the flesh are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, (laughs) he's getting very detailed, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. So this is a big list and things like these, okay? So this is not an exhaustive list, things like these, okay? So he says, listen, don't don't say these are the only things, things like these are added. I warned you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So Paul said, I warned you, I warned you. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, notice the fruit of the spirit. Now, this is fruit. Singular. There's no S, no manga. The fruit of the spirit is one fruit. Picture it like um, a pomelo. It has different sections, but it's one fruit fruit. And there's no law against love. There's no law against joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. There's no law written against these things. And those who belong, remember we keep seeing this concept of belonging. This is another one. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the the flesh, have, past tense, crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Now, he, he, Paul is just Paul understands church. Okay, he said, let's not become conceited, and he said, you know, let's not go around and provoke each other, and let's go not go around and envy one another. Now, there are people that walk around and envy everything nice that somebody else has. Now, now, brothers and sisters, you should rejoice. If somebody gets a new flat screen in your connect group, you should rejoice. If somebody gets a new car, you should rejoice. If somebody gets a new home, you should rejoice with them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, be happy with them. Never envy, God won't give to anybody else what he will not also give to you. You don't need to envy what somebody else has. But now look at the other one. Don't go around provoking one another. You know, there are some people that every time you get around them, they just want to provoke you. <laughs> they, they just want to, it's like they walk around with a, a psychological needle. You know, how not, not a real needle, but a psychological needle. And they, everybody they get around, they just want to provoke you. And you watch them in a relationship. You can walk up to a group and everybody's happy and another person joins it, and in a few minutes, everybody's upset because this guy has stuck his needle in everybody. Never go around provoking people. You should be a source of joy. You should be a source of blessing. You should be a source of happiness in everybody's life. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship now.
3: As my students used to say, Isaiah say, say, uh." yes, it is a wonderful book to be able to study together, but we are reading this devotionally and having such a great time. Today is Friday, and we are going to be reading from chapter 41, starting in verse 1, and we'll read two chapters today. And it starts off. Listen to me in silence, O oh coastlands. And you know what? We could stop right there and just mention for a moment. Listen to me in silence. Oh, we could relate that to so many people if we don't want to relate it to ourselves. <clears throat> Job listening to all those three bad friends for all those chapters and chapters of the book of Job. And finally, at the end of the book, those last few chapters, God saying, Job, now you're going to listen to me. And just speaking such beautiful words to Job, such powerful words. But we could also think of Peter. They're up on a mountainside with the disciples with Jesus and they see Jesus transfigured before them and Peter gets so excited oh lord it's good for us to be here let's do this let's do that let's and god <laughs> interrupts and says ah uh, hello this this is my beloved son listen to him <laughs> there are so many voices in our lives There are voices, especially different news channels you're going to watch, different social media uh, people that you look at. I mean, just look at your news feed. There are so many voices to listen to. And sometimes you've got to silence all those voices. And you've got to silence all the unrest in your own heart and in your own mind and say, Lord, this time... I'm sitting here in my favorite chair, it's the the house is finally quiet, all the kids have gone to bed or whatever. Lord, all the voices are silent. I want to just listen to you and then get into the Word of God. Maybe put on some worship music and then get into the Word of God. Wow, listen to me in silence, God says. Be still and know that I am God. Put away all those voices and listen to the Lord. And right off as we get into our devotional reading for today, we need to take that to heart. Put away, silence the voices. Voices, silence. And just listen to our powerful, in charge, Heavenly Father See what he has to say to us. And it says, Listen to me in silence, O coastlands. Other translations use islands. And this word is used 15 times in the Old Testament, and 14 of them are right here in Isaiah. Because it means to the remotest part of the earth where you can't even imagine that humans live there. It's so far away. Now, here in the Philippines, We have so many islands and some of them are tiny and you can't even imagine that a human being could live there, live there without all the uh, SMs and all the whatever, supermarkets. Wherever human beings are, no matter how far remote you think you are, you need to listen to the Lord. Just be quiet and listen to Him sometimes. You know, it's okay to come to God, and you should come to God and tell Him all the things that are on your mind. God, this is going on, and this is going on, and this person said this, and what do I do about this problem, and my child is doing this, and what do I do? It's okay, lay your heart before God. But you know what? Don't just do that and say, okay God, now uh, there, I gave you all my problems, I gotta go to work now, bye. (laughs) Set aside time to silence the voices and just listen to God, no matter who you are, no matter where you are. Let the peoples renew their strength. Let them approach, then let them speak. Let us draw near together for judgment. Who stirred up one from the east, whom victory meets at every stop? All right, so now we are beginning to talk about a king that God would stir up. And it's not Assyria anymore because the Assyrian superpower has been brought low, has been made nothing. All of these other nations that Isaiah has been talking about made nothing. Now there is somebody new. God is stirring up a king from the east. Well, beyond Babylon, little bit beyond that, is a nation that today we know as Iran. And it had a king in those days. And in those days, it wasn't called Iran, it was called Persia. So we're talking about the king of Persia, King Cyrus. And it's not talking about King Cyrus in the sense that Oh, Cyrus is so great. Look at Cyrus. He's awesome. He's powerful. It's not like that. It's talking about Cyrus in the sense of God holds all the king's hearts in his hands. God puts nations up and brings low. God controls. All right, king, I need to use you for a bit. You might not be godly, but I need to use you for my purposes this is what you are going to do. So that's the sense in which it's talking about King Cyrus, the fact that God and God alone ultimately rules and reigns. And everybody said, amen. (laughs) Who stirred up one from the east, whom victory meets at every stop. He gives up nations before him so that he tramples kings underfoot. So he is very victorious wherever he goes. He makes them like dust with his sword, like driven stubble with his bow. He pursues them and passes on safely. By paths his feet have not trod. Who has performed and done this, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, the first and with the last. I am he. You know how God, one of his names, is the I am. How many times in the book of Isaiah, especially in these last chapters, the Lord is saying, I am. I am the Lord. I'm the first and the last. I am he. He wants to be differentiated in your mind from all those other voices that try to compete. He wants to be differentiated in your life, that he is the Lord, that many other people may rule over you, but you have only one Lord. He is the Lord God, and his voice will be listened to. And He is not only the one who comforts us and teaches us, but he's the one who sees the end from the beginning. He's the one who knows what's gonna happen to your tomorrow. He's the one who knows what is gonna happen to your children next week, next month. So we need to bring him all of our deepest things in our heart and trust in him. He alone, we need to listen to him because he's got some words for us, powerful words, words that give us hope, words that give us guidance, sharper than any two-edged sword, right? The word of God, dividing up those good thoughts and bad thoughts and helping us to understand. All right, the coastlands have seen and are afraid, so these islands, these farthest reaches of the, the whole world, the ends of the earth, tremble they have drawn near and come everyone helps his neighbor and says to his brother be strong the craftsman strengthens the goldsmith and he who smooths with the hammer him who strikes the anvil saying of the soldering it is good and they strengthen it with nails so that it cannot be moved well we are talking about You know, not only people from the ends of the earth in Isaiah's time, but even Israel itself. Idols. Idols that God made the whole world and everything in it. Isn't that right? God made the gold, the silver. He made the trees from which we get our wood. He made every element of our world. And then human beings... With human hands, take those elements and start serving them as their God instead of serving the Lord who created all those things. And sometimes you can just see God going, Oh, really? Really? Is that what you want to worship? I am the Lord. I am He. And in these next chapters, you see so many times God saying, I tell the end from the beginning. I am the one who tells you what's going to happen before it happens. The prophecy that is laid out. Just ask one of your created idols to do that, please. God says, there's a big difference. You have to strengthen it with nails so it cannot be moved. (laughs) Oh, sometimes you say, poor God. (laughs) The things he has to put up with us as humans doing instead of just submitting ourselves to him. And then it says, but you Israel, my servant. All right, now servant, the servant songs, the servant, the word servant, this is a recurring theme in these chapters 40 through 66. Yes, there are still recurring themes in Isaiah of justice, trust, the highway, we will still see these things but we have a new couple of themes that come up in this second portion of Isaiah. And in this case, it's Israel as servant. And this is the first time Israel as a nation has been referred to as God's servant within the writing of Isaiah. Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend. Wow. Servant, chosen, friend. Beautiful. You have to realize you walk with God. You be a friend of God. Oh, that's my friend. Yep, that's my friend. And whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from the farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Are you a servant of God? Have you been chosen by him to walk with him? Have you? Are you the friend of God? These words are for you. Yes, they are specifically spoken by Isaiah to a certain situation. Just like long before this, in the earlier chapters, Isaiah spoke about his wife, the prophetess, giving birth to a son. But he also was prophesying of, for him many, many years in the future when a virgin would give birth and you would call his name Emmanuel, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ. So these prophecies, which are specifically for specific people here, all of this Word of God is good for us. We can apply it to our hearts and to our lives. You are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You're not going to fall. You're not going to die. You're not going to see, watch your business fall apart before your very eyes, never to rise again. God will uphold you with his right hand behold all who are incensed against you shall be put to shame and confounded those who strive against you shall be as nothing and shall perish you shall seek those who contend with you but you shall not find them (laughs) like Jesus saying to the woman who was brought to be stoned and Jesus said after he spoke And all her accusers left. woman, where are your accusers? You know, when God deals with us in our lives, he deals not only with us, but with our enemies too. And he will then say, all right, hey, look around. Where are those enemies? (laughs) And it's something that you will have to realize. They're gone. They haven't, that guy has not harassed me for three weeks now. Where did he go? Well, don't look for him too far. Don't look for him too hard, okay? (laughs) Just trust and enjoy the fact that God has dealt with your enemies. Those who were against you shall be as nothing at all. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not, I am the one who helps you. Oh, listen to that. Listen to that. Be silent before me, O nations. Be silent before me from the ends of the earth, from the farthest corners. Be silent before me. Silence all those voices and hear what I have to say to you. Fear not. I am the one who helps you. Get that this morning. Silence all the other voices and listen to the Lord in your life saying, Fear not, I am the one who helps you. Fear not, you worm, Jacob, you men of Israel. I am the one who helps you, declares the Lord. Twice, he's repeating this. You've got to get it. You know, it's so amazing. It's amazing enough that the nations around Israel were relying on their gods and their idols. But to think that God's own people We're not listening to his voice. And it's just way too easy to look and say, oh, yes, Israel was very bad. Not, of course, not everyone, but a good many of them, a good measure of them, were not listening to God, that he had to start comparing himself to them with the idols that they were worshiping. It's just a little too easy to look at Israel and say, yeah, that's very bad. What about our own lives? What about all these other voices? You've got that sister-in-law who thinks she knows everything. You've got that cousin who wants to speak negative things into your life. You've got that child who rises up and says, Mommy, I don't want you to do that. I want you to do this, and I wanna do that. You've got voices in your life. You've got news media and so on. Be silent and listen to the lord fear not he says i am the one who helps you so let's take that to heart so that we never have to learn it we can learn it from here we don't have to learn it the hard way behold i make of you a threshing sledge new sharp and having teeth And you shall thresh the mountains and crush them, and you shall make the hills like chaff. You shall winnow them, and the wind shall carry them away, and the tempest shall scatter them. And you shall rejoice in the Lord. (laughs) You're not going to go dancing with your idols or take your idols for a walk. You're going to rejoice in the Lord. In the Holy One of Israel you shall glory. Isn't God good? Isn't he wonderful? Isn't God powerful? Yes, I rejoice in the Lord. When the poor and needy seek water, and there is none, and their tongue is parched with thirst, I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers on the bare heights and fountains in the midst of valleys. How bountiful the provision of the Lord our God if we just silence the voices and listen to Him. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry lands springs of water. You have wells of salvation within you. If you know the Lord is your Savior, Let him let those wells of living water spring up in you and enjoy it. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. I will put in the wilderness the cedar, the acacia, the myrtle, and the olive. I will set in the desert the cypress. You know how much water these trees require? When we go to Israel today, you can see especially as we go down into the Dead Sea area, the desert, the Negev. And you can see these acacia trees and they are maybe as tall as me. Yeah, it's like miniature trees. And you look at them, you, wow, that's an acacia tree. I know what an acacia tree looks like. The birds love love to nest on the top of its top branches and they're huge, right? And here they are, little tiny. Why? Because it's a desert. Because there's no water. These trees need water to grow up and become large and huge. And even the cypress, oh my goodness, what a tree. The cypress tree, tall and majestic. The plain and the pine together that they may see and know. May consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this. The Holy One of Israel has created it. What will it take, O people of God, to know that the Lord, he is God, to know that it's the Lord who wants to deal bountifully with you, who wants to make seemingly impossible things happen in your life, who wants to raise up strong and mighty trees in the desert in your life? What will it take that they may see and know? Amen. Set forth your case, says the Lord. Bring your proof, says the king of Jacob. Let them bring them and tell us what's going to happen. Tell us the former things, what they are, that we may consider them, that we may know their outcome or declare to us things to come. Tell us what is to come thereafter, hereafter, that we may know that you are God's. Do good and or do harm. Do something <laughs> that we may be dismayed and terrified. "'Behold, you are nothing, and your work is less than nothing. "'An abomination is he who chooses you. "'I stirred up one from the north, and he has come. "'From the rising of the sun, and he shall call upon my name. "'He shall trample on rulers as on mortar, "'and on the as the potter treads the clay. "'Who declared it from the beginning that we might know, "'and beforehand that we might say, "'He's right?' There was none who declared it, none who proclaimed, none who heard your words. I was the first to say to Zion, Behold, here they are, and I give to Jerusalem a herald of good news. When I look, there's no one. Among these, there's no counselor, who, when I ask, gives an answer. Behold, they are all a delusion. Their works as nothing, their metal images are empty wind. Oh, can you hear the heart of God saying, people, look, look at what you are spending all your time giving worth to instead of listening to me. Now, chapter 42, Behold My Servant, one of many, many what we call servant songs in the book of Isaiah, and there are many, especially in chapters 40 to 66, at times Israel servant to the Lord, but at times very specifically messianic the messiah and in chapter 42 1 and following it is definitely messianic because matthew chapter 12 verse 18 to 21 specifically relates these verses to jesus and it would be really interesting should this be a class if you were to list all the characteristics of the servant in the book of isaiah Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I will put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard on the street. Okay, we talked many times about justice in the book of Isaiah. How does justice come about? God will bring it. Do we bring it by rallying, we asked, and we said, no, God will be the one to bring it. Now look at this so specifically. He does not lift up his voice or make it heard in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. God will do it. He will do it in his way. He will do it. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands or the islands, those farthest places, wait for his law. Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. (laughs) There you go again. I am the Lord. You know, God is a jealous God. We must worship him and not divide that worship to other things and give glory to other things in our lives. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. And now here's Isaiah again, bursting into song of praise just like Isaiah does. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise from the ends of the earth. <laughs> so, all these ends of the earth that have been silent and listening to the Lord, now they are too, sing what? A new song? A song of praise to the Lord. You who go down to the sea and all that fills it, the coastlands and their inhabitants, let the desert and its cities lift up their voice, the villages that Kedar inhabits let the inhabitants of sila sing for joy how do we sing to the lord with joy let them shout from the tops of the mountains let them give glory to the lord and declare his praise in the coastlands so that is the farthest reaches where humans could ever be let praise be declared the lord goes out like a mighty man Like a man of war, he stirs up his zeal. He cries out, he shouts aloud, he shows himself mighty against his foes. For a long time I have held my peace. I have kept still and restrained myself. Now I will cry out like a woman in labor. I will gasp and pant. I will lay waste mountains and hills and dry up all their vegetation. I will turn the rivers into islands, and dry up the pools. I will lead the blind in a way they do not know. In past they have not known I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are things I do. I do not forsake them. They are turned back and utterly put to shame. Who trust in carved idols and say to metal images, You are our gods, O oh, the heart of God. Do not serve any other voice. Do not listen. Do not give heed to all those voices in your lives. Do not serve idols. Serve the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. It has been a great pleasure to have you and me joining together to devotionally walk our way through the book of Isaiah, not necessarily to learn every didactic thing about it, but to devotionally hear the heart of God. Lord, help us to listen to you. Help us to silence those voices and listen to you, our God. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Please join us again tonight for our COP online evening service. God bless you.